Hey, we want to welcome you back to our series called Simon Says. We've been looking at um, several of the statements and things that happened along for Simon Peter in his walk with Jesus, and uh, just some of the things that we can learn uh, as Peter learned along the way. Um, today, I want to talk about standing strong. <laughs> several years ago, I heard this great story. Um, there was a, a at Duke University, there was one of the fraternity houses that wanted to have kind of a, a, a fraternity house pep rally for a ball game that was coming up. And so they decided to have it. They had a, you know, had a huge house there, and they were going to gather a whole bunch of kids there for this thing. And so they decided to hire a couple of people to dress up like, uh, like the uh, Duke University mascots, which are what? Anybody know? Blue Devils. And so they hired these guys to dress up like these blue devils to come to the frat house and kind of get the pep rally really going. And so, but lo and behold, when the guys got the address wrong, and instead of walking into uh, what they thought was a, a huge fraternity house, they ended up walking into this small church on Wednesday night. <laughs> and the, the, the pastor was teaching that night on hell. And he was doing a really good job. <laughs> and people were just riveted, you know, and what the pastor was saying and, and, you know, kind of like he got him on the edge and all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden the doors of the sanctuary open and you can imagine the people turn around and they see these two blue devils walking in. And they start freaking out. I mean, people start yelling and screaming, and they're, they're running for the doors. They're trying to get out. And, of course, the, the mascot, they think that's part of the deal. And so they're jumping up and down and screaming, you know, and they're just getting everybody going. And the louder they yell, the faster everybody runs. Now, the pastor, you know, he was a, he was a good, strong man of faith, so he did the right thing. He led the people out the door. You know, he was, he was on his way, too. He wasn't doing that. But there was, there was this one gal who, you know, she was, she was rather large, and as she turned to try to get out of the pew, she tripped and she got her legs tangled and she got wedged down between two pews and she can't get up and she's screaming for somebody to help her well these guys dressed up, you know they think this is part of the deal so they're going over toward her to sweat and they're yelling and screaming and they're now they're coming at her and she's got her eyes get this big and they get about 10 feet away and she goes stop and they froze and she said I want you to know I've been a member of this church for 30 years, but I've been on your side all along. <laughs> hmm. What would it take to scare you out of your faith? <laughs> Hopefully something more than a mascot from Duke University. That's what I want to talk about today, though. Uh, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture and Peter had a fantastic response to it, but it's a passage that challenges us in our own journey. How strong are you in your walk with Jesus? Okay? I want to take a look at it. If you want to take your uh, bulletin out, if you, inside you've got a, a, a sermon outline, if you want to uh, take notes or if you want to doodle to keep yourself awake this morning, you can do that. Uh, we want to look at a passage of scripture from John chapter 6, um, and it starts kind of way down in that chapter at verse 66. Let me just set this up for you for a second, though. In John chapter 6, um, if you remember at the beginning of the chapter, Jesus uh, does this incredible miracle where he multiplies fish and loaves, and he feeds over 5,000 people with us. And uh, his notoriety 
had been growing. Uh, you know, his fame had been spreading, and a lot of people were very curious about who this guy was, and, and they were coming to kind of, you know, check it out a little bit. And, of course, when he does the stuff with the fish and loaves, uh, you know, if you've been around church any length of time, you know, you start giving people free food, man, they're in, you know. And uh, so people were, you know, people who had, had seen that miracle, they were trying to, trying to get more. But what Jesus discerned as these people were gathering around, they wanted him to do another miracle. What Jesus discerned is that these weren't really people who were following for the right reasons. And so in, if you trail, track in John chapter 6, what you discover is Jesus starts saying some really hard stuff about what it really means to be a follower of his, that this is not an easy journey. And he says some things that really push on people and cause them to think. And here's what happens, beginning in verse 66 on your outline. It says, and at this point, many of his disciples turned away. And what did they do? They deserted him. And Jesus turned to the 12 and he asked, are you also going to leave? And Simon Peter, you got to love it. This guy's a, a bonehead at times, but he really comes up with some good stuff once in a while. And Simon Peter replied, would you guys read this next part out loud with me, please? Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Now that last sentence, let's go back to that. Read that out loud again with me. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Now look at me for a second. Do you know and believe that Jesus is the Holy One of God? Because that's what we want to talk about um, if our faith is going to really be a faith that has tenacity to it, then we're going to have to lean into him from that vein, okay? Now, as I was working on this, I was trying to think about what would be the best way of, to approach it. And, and what I started thinking about were just some questions that really make us look at this. Why do we follow? Why are we on this journey with Jesus. And so what I want to do today, I want to, I want to give you five questions. And I hope these questions will really cause you to think about where, why you are wherever you are on your journey with Jesus. And I hope it challenges you to take that, that, that faith a bit deeper in that. Are you ready? Here we go. Five defining questions in your faith journey. Here's the first one. Do you follow Christ because of who is leading or because of who is following with you? Do you follow Christ because of who is leading? Is it because Jesus is at the head of this? Or are you following because of the people who are hanging out with you on this journey? Now, this is a part of, of, of what Jesus was concerned about when everybody else started walking away. And I want to go back to that, that verse 66 again. And I want you to, at that, that, that first phrase right there, it says, and at this point, many of his, what is that next word? Disciples. Now, what I want you to understand, these were people who had been following for a while. And, and what we know about the people who were following with Jesus, these were people who were inviting people. So think with me, this crowd who is there, these are people who are friends, family members, or at least strong acquaintances of the 12. 
These weren't strangers. They were, there may have been some that were, but for, by and large, this crowd is people that they know. And so when these people turned and walked away, when they deserted him, these were people who were close to the disciples. And all of a sudden, their friends, their family, they're walking away. Now look at me for a second. What would you have done? Would you have had the strength of character? Would you have had the tenacity of faith to say, like Peter, you know, I don't care who else leaves. I don't care who else walks away. I don't, I don't care what anybody else does. You know, I know who you are. You know, you, you alone have the words of life. I know you, you. I know and believe you're the Holy One of God. I'm sticking no matter what. Now, can we just be honest? Peer pressure is a powerful thing. Now, look at me for a second. Please hear my heart. And if peer pressure can't get us to absolutely leave our faith, can we agree with this? It often pushes us to compromise our faith. And many of us who have been on this journey a while can, can say that, you know, getting around the wrong kind of people at the wrong time in our life can cause us to do things that maybe we wouldn't do otherwise. Does that make sense to you? There was, uh, several years ago, there was a, 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 a study uh, uh, actually a, a whole exercise that was done by a psychologist by the name of uh, Ruth Berenda. And what she did, she was studying this whole social, uh, sociology piece of, of peer pressure, and she was wondering how would different age groups respond if the whole crowd was going against them. So here's what she did. She would group, being in groups of 10, and she did this with various age groups, from very young kids uh, to, to older elementary kids to teenagers, and she, she would bring them in in, ten, in groups of 10, and she would put three different graphs up on, on, around, three different charts, she'd make them, and she'd ask them to pick the line. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. It was kind of like this. And she would have three different charts, and she would ask them, pick the longest line. Vote on the longest line. But here was the deal. Nine of the people in the group were in on this. And she had instructed them, regardless of what I say up front, you pick the second longest line. So here's 10 people in a room, and they're asked to pick the longest line. Nine of them are going to agree together. They're going to pick the second longest line. Because the test was this. Can a person, would a person, when nine other people are saying the second longest line is the longest, would someone have the strength of character to swim upstream, go against a crowd and say, I don't care what that nine say, the other one is the long, truly the longest line. And here's what she discovered. Over 75% of the time, the one person would go along with their group regardless of what they said. Over 75% of the time. Very rare was it that someone would say, I don't know what they're seeing, but I think the other line is the longest line. Look at me. How would you do? Can you stand strong when other people are asking you to compromise your walk with Jesus Christ? John chapter 12, I love what he says. He says, you know, many people did believe in Jesus, however, including some of the Jewish leaders, but they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue. Read that last statement out loud with me. For they loved human praise more than the praise of God. They loved human praise more than the praise of God. Do you follow because of who's leading you or because of who's following with you? Let me give you a second question. Do you follow Christ because of what he does for you or because of who he is? 
do you follow Christ because of what he does for you, or do you follow him because of who he is? Eyes up here. How many of you can honestly say there have been times you have prayed and uh, asked God for uh, a particular request, and he has answered that and said yes to you and granted that request? Can anybody have an affirmation of that? Okay. He does that. He's a good, good father, and sometimes our good, good father gives us what we ask for, which is really cool. Now, look at me. Does he do that every time? If he's a good, good father, he doesn't. Anything you learn about good, good fathering is you better not give your kids everything they ask for all the time because that's not what good, good fathers do. Good, good fathers give our children what is best, not absolutely what they want. But sometimes, can we be honest, in our journey of faith, that's the kind of God that we want to have. We want a God who gives us what we want when we want it. I'll never forget several years ago, uh, when I was younger, I had, a, I had a friend of mine, we were having a Coke at a McDonald's and had played basketball and, and, uh, and, I, and I was just talking and, and uh, somehow I, I said something about coming to church and he said, I'm not coming to church, going to church this week. And I said, why not? He goes, I'm mad at God. Well, okay, what are you mad at God about? He said, my team lost last night. And my response was, dude, I hate to bust your bubble, but God doesn't fix ball games for you. You know what I'm saying? That's not the business that he's in. But, but you know, what? The, the idea when I walked away was that's the mentality that we sometimes develop is that, you know, God, God is here to serve me. He's here to do what I want him to do. Now, can, can we just agree on something? You can't control God. God is not, no matter how you want to think about him, he is not your genie in the bottle that you get a rub and say, in Jesus' name, and it just magically appears. And if that's your theology, you need to take a step back and rethink it because that's just not how it is. Do you serve him because of what he does for you? Or do you serve him because of who he is? See, that was a part of the issue going on with these disciples here that walked away. Jesus had, you know, he had fed them. He had given them, taken fish and loaves and he had multiplied it, given them more. They were excited about that. Now they wanted him to do some more stuff. And he said, no, not going to do it. And now, now they don't want to believe because now he's not doing what they want. One of the, um, one of the things that causes us sometimes to back up a little bit in our journey of faith or to pull away from God is sometimes when, um, when bad things happen and we begin to get a little bit discouraged and we're angry with God because God didn't prevent something from happening that we think he should have prevented or God didn't cause something to happen that we think he should have caused. And sometimes in that discouragement, here's what happens, gang. That's when the enemy wants to begin to steal your faith away from you. And if, and if, not, and if not get you to walk completely away from God, he wants you to at least back up where you're not quite as intimate as you used to be. Look at me. Come on, hear my heart. Anybody can have faith in Jesus when everything's going right. It's when the hard things come that test our faith. Amen. I love um, the prophet Habakkuk. Um, in chapter one, he's having this argument with God, and he's, he's saying, you know, Lord, I don't, I don't get it. You know, the 
the, the good guys are losing, the bad guys are winning, and, and it just doesn't seem like that's the way it ought to be. And God says, you know what, I'm going to do stuff and you're not going to understand what I do. And at the end, I love where Habakkuk comes to this place of faith and saying, you know, kind of like Peter, this is, this is God. There's no other way. There's no other one. I need to hang on to this. And I love him. Habakkuk chapter 3 on your outline. He, he comes to this place of faith where he says, you know what? Even though the fig trees are all destroyed and there is neither blossom nor fruit, nor the, even though the olive crops all fail and the fields lie barren, even if the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will be happy in the God of my salvation. Do you have that kind of faith? I love it. Not faith in just what he does, but faith because of who he is. Let me give you a third question, and this is particularly for those of us who have grown up maybe around the church. Do you follow Christ because you've chosen him or because it's where you simply ended up? Do you follow Christ because you've chosen him with your heart, mind, and soul? You have chosen him, or is it because of where you just ended up? I read a great uh, testimony from a young lady named Suzanne. She, uh, she talked about growing up in the church and um, then going off to uh, Baylor University and spent a couple years at Baylor, and she said, she goes, you know, I, I realized after I got to Baylor that, you know, that I, I really wasn't uh, living the same kind of life that I lived at home with my parents when I, you know, where I grew up in the church. I, I found myself, you know, doing things that I, I really wouldn't do at home, hanging out with people I probably wouldn't normally hang around with. And she said, I, I just began to, to observe that. She said, then the, the, it all culminated in a trip to Italy. And she said, there was a whole group that we, we went to Italy on this, on this thing. And she said, I knew it was going to be a different kind of trip for me because he, she said at the orientation, we weren't talking about famous pieces of art we wanted to see or things like that. So everybody was talking about the bars they wanted to visit and, and the nightlight you know, places that they wanted to hit while we were there. And, uh, and she said, but I didn't say anything. And she said, we went. And she said, sure enough, man. She said, we were, you know, we were hitting the bars at night. We were hitting all these nightlife places. And she said, about, about four or five days of that, and she said, I woke up one morning, and I looked in the mirror, and I said to, my, I said to myself, who in the world are you? She said, I, I, I wake it up every day with a hangover. And she said, I never even used to drink. And she said, I began to think about growing up in the church, and I began to think about, you know, this, my, the life that I lived. And she goes, all of a sudden, she said, it dawned on me something that I had never thought about before. She said, the faith that I had, it wasn't my own faith. It was my parents' faith. I was in church because my parents were in church. I followed Jesus because my parents followed Jesus. And all of a sudden, I realized that what I had inside of me, I didn't own it for myself. And if I was going to survive this, I had to decide, what do you really believe about Jesus? And she said, really interestingly enough, she said it was at a, at a visit to the Vatican she said, when we were touring around, and she said, I was at this flower garden, and I was noticing these beautiful, beautiful flowers, and she said, one of the things I, I realized is that for flowers to grow that tall and that strong, their roots had to go deep. And she said, it was like God whispered to me, and he said, I love you, but your roots are not deep. And she said, and that was the day that I said, I am all yours. 
and I began to cultivate my faith in God for myself. I want you to look at me. I want you to hear my heart. I think it is vitally important that we raise our kids in the church. I think it is vitally important that we teach them the ways of our faith. But for every single one of you who are growing up and you're going on, and some of you are going to head out of home and you're going to go to college on your own, somewhere along the way, you're going to have to decide for yourself, is this your faith or is it just the faith of your parents? Because if if you're following Christ because that's just simply where you ended up, I promise you the enemy is wise enough and strong enough, he's going to snatch that out of your heart and out of your life. Amen? Does that make sense to you? I love what Paul wrote to Timothy. Paul, who was converted to Christianity, he says, you know, and, and God has chosen me to be his missionary, to preach to the Gentiles and to teach them. And he said, that's why I am suffering here in jail, and I'm certainly not ashamed of it. I love this. Read it out loud with me. For I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to safely guard all that I have given him until the day of his return. I know the one that I trust. Look at me, church. Do you know the one that you say you believe in? I love what Peter said in that declaration. We know and believe that you are the Christ. It can't be where you end up. You have to decide for yourself. Look at me. Do you believe God came from heaven to earth? Do you believe Jesus was really God in the flesh? Do you believe he lived a perfect life? Do you believe he died on the cross? And do you believe that three days later he rose from the dead? You got to own that in your heart. If you don't, I promise you, it'll get snatched away. Here's a fourth one, and you're not going to like this one at all. Do you follow Christ on your terms of commitment or on his terms of commitment? You follow Christ on your terms of commitment or on his terms of commitment? Pastor Sarah, our children's pastor, is uh, getting married August 1st, and uh, she, she and her fiancé, Adrian, asked me to do some of their premarital counseling, and so I met with them last week uh, for the first time. And, of course, I'm going to do my best to see if I can talk them out of this, this thing. So at least that's what I told them. But it was funny um, because after we met last week and this, this next week we're going to meet, we're going to talk. I told them we want, I wanted to talk about finances because finances create a lot of tension and stress in marriage. And after they left, I was making some notes, and, and my mind flashed back to this couple that I did premarital counseling for several years ago. And um, when they, we came in and we were talking about various topics of marriage, when we got to the one on finances, it was really funny because I said, you know, have you, have you worked on a budget yet to think about how to do that and how you're going to take care of things? And they said, oh, yeah, we got that all worked out. And I said, well, what's your plan? I'd love to hear it. And they said, well, what we decided is that we both have jobs and, um, and so we said, thought, well, since we're both employed, you know, and, and uh, we're going to split it right down the middle, 50-50. So we're going to take all of our bills, we're going to divide them in half, and he's going to pay half, and, and I'm going to pay half. And I said, well, that sounds horrible. <laughs> I said, well, that, that, I know that sounds good. I said, but 
I knew, I knew their situation, and I knew he had a job where he made an awful lot more money than she did. And I said, well, let me just give you a scenario and just play, play out what you're asking right now. I said, let's say, let's say your bills are, are, are $4,000 a month. And I said, and let's say, you know, your half is 2000 And I said, you know, honey, I don't know how much you make, but let's say you make $2,000 a month. And uh, let's say he makes uh, $4,000 a month. And so you've got to kick 2000 in to cover the $4,000 bill. So you kick in everything you've got to cover your half. He kicks in 2000 and he's got $2,000 left to spend on himself. I said, how are you going to feel about that? And I kid you not, she turned to him and went, I'm not going to like that at all. <laughs> Of course you don't. Now, anyone who's been married can tell you this. Marriage is not 50-50. Marriage, to work well, it takes two people giving 100%. Amen? It really does. It's not giving half of this. It's, it's putting your all in together. And that's this whole thing with, with Jesus is exactly the same way. Can we be honest? You know, sometimes when, when, we're, when we come to Christ, we're coming to him because we want to we make sure we get to heaven and don't go to hell. And so we will, you know, we'll say a prayer that we hope will give us some kind of insurance that that's going to happen. But when it really, when we try to iron out the relationship, oftentimes on that journey, we, we just want to do for Jesus the things that we want to do. We just want to make the changes that we want to make. We don't really want to go all in. Now look at me for a second. You got to get this. God went all in for us. And Jesus's call is for us to go all in for him. When Jesus, when a, when a guy came to Jesus and he said, you know, Lord, what do I got to do to be saved? And Jesus said, well, you know the commandments. And Jesus quotes six of them. And the guy said, well, I've done all six of those. You know, I've got, I've got all that. And Jesus said, you know what? There is one thing. And the guy was rich. And he said, there is one thing you lack. I need you to go sell everything that you've got, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And when you read that, you go, whoa. And the Bible says, and the guy walked away. You see, he was, he was willing, he was, he was willing to be 60% Christian. It was that other 40% that got hard. Now, I want to, I want to be very honest with you that when we talk about having a living, vibrant relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ, it's not about giving him a token nod of your head. He asks you to give him all of your life. Amen. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus said to the crowd, read it with me. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. All in. One last question. Do you follow Christ as your greatest love? or simply as one of the many affections in your life? Do you really follow him as your greatest love? Or is he simply one of the many affections of your life? You know, when we talk about being a Christ follower, Jesus, he didn't mince words um, and he actually picks up on a lot of the stuff that God had said from the very beginning. 
You know, when, back in the Old Testament, when you see God interacting with his people, he, he said, you know, you, got, you need to understand something. I'm a jealous God. I'm not jealous of the things you have, but I am jealous of the things that have you. I am a jealous God. You can have no other gods before me. You can put nothing else, number one, in your life except me. He was really clear about that. And Jesus picks up on that theme in Luke chapter 14. It's on your outline. Read it out loud with me. Anyone who wants to be my follower must love me far more than he does his own father, mother, wife, children, brothers, or sisters. Yes, more than his own life. Other words, he cannot be my disciple. Question today is not, do you, do you have a love for Jesus? The question today is, do you love him more than anything else and anyone else? Because that's a faith that stands strong. I saw a story last week um, that really challenged me in my own, my own faith. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. That uh, lady, is her name is Miriam, and uh, that's her daughter, Sarah. They live in Pakistan. And when Sarah was just three, years, uh, three months old, her father, Paulus, was holding her. And Paulus had walked away from the Islamic faith and had made a personal commitment of his life to Christ. And several of his close friends and their close friends and family members were just really upset about it. I mean, really upset. And he was standing there holding Sarah, having this conversation with this guy uh, who was a, a, an extended family member, and he turned to walk away, and when he turned to walk away, this guy hit him from behind. And when he did, he accidentally dumped Sarah onto the ground, and she landed on her left eye, right there on her face down, and it actually, the fall destroyed her left eye. And what you see there is a, a glass eye that she has now because of that. In 2016, Paulus, that same man, his family came and gave him an ultimatum about coming back to the faith, the Islamic faith. And he said, no, I can't. Uh, I have to stay true to who I am. And they began to beat him. They beat him so severely, he ended up in the hospital. And his injuries were to a point that he didn't make it. He died. But even though her husband had been beaten to death, for his faith. Miriam still stood strong and told Paulus's family and her family, I cannot leave the one I love. Do you have a faith like that? I'm going to ask Rachel to come on back up and and for just a moment, I, I just want you to think with me about your own journey of faith. Have you felt yourself um, leaning into God or pulling back from God? You know, maybe you've gone through some discouragement. Maybe you've gone through some times where God hasn't answered prayer for you the way that you think he should. Uh, maybe you've had some, some hard times. Maybe you've had some doubts. Maybe 
Some of you have had some pressure in your life. Some friends, some family members who have said, you know what, it's, it's okay to have a little religion, but you know, don't get carried away with this Jesus thing. Look at me. Do you know and believe that he really is the Holy One of God? Today, are you willing to make a commitment to him that says, you know what, Jesus, if my friends leave, if my family leaves, if I lose everything I have because of my commitment to you, I'm going to stand strong no matter what. Rachel's got a beautiful song for us. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful prayer to pray as we sing it. And this morning, wherever you are on that journey with God, I, I want you today, I want today just to be a day where you go, Lord, I'm all in. I'm not holding anything back. I'm not putting anyone else or anything else ahead of you. You're going to be my first and greatest love. And everything else in my life will revolve around my walk and my journey with you. Let this be your prayer, and then I'll close this in prayer in a moment. Lord Jesus, that's the prayer of our heart today. We're going to leave church here in a minute, and we're going to head home, and go ahead to our places of work tomorrow, and get busy with our week. And everywhere we go, in a thousand small ways, we're going to be asked or challenged, or pulled to compromise who we are and our commitment to you. And today, Lord, we want a, we want a faith that stands strong. We want that faith that uh, Simon Peter told us about and that he demonstrated when, when he had friends and family that spun on their heels and went the other direction. We want to believe in you so deeply and so dearly that we would be able to say, Lord, to whom would we go? You alone have the words of life. We know and we believe that you are the Holy One of God. Father, I know that there are some of us who have wavered in our faith. I know that there are some of us who maybe even this last week have been struggling a bit. Maybe some of us that no, we've been venturing into places we shouldn't go and doing things we shouldn't do and, and maybe compromising our commitment to you in a lot of ways. And today, Lord, we thank you for your grace that washes over us and the fact that today we can begin to write a new story. Just like that Suzanne, I just loved her story of how she came to terms that she needed a faith that had deep roots to it, one that she owned for herself. And Lord, I pray that that would be our story, that the roots of your grace and the roots of your love would go deep into our hearts so that we would follow you all the days of our life with no turning back. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for the way that you have given yourself so completely to us. Today, we give ourselves completely to you. It's in your precious name we pray. And everyone said, amen.